Welcome to Sea Time, everybody, the off-road show that brings you all the results, news, and online shenanigans that make being online a good time. We'd like to say thank you to Fly Racing for their support of Sea Time. Please go check them out at flyracing.com. Hello and welcome to Seat Time, everybody. Episode 78. It is Tuesday night. I want to say it's about March 19th. Uh, it's actually a year today that I have been at my current job, and I can't say that I have been less excited to have been anywhere for a year. Uh, <laughs> lots, yeah, lots going on. Uh, it's just, it sucks, really. So I'm happy to say that I am here Tuesday night doing what I love to do best, having a little bit of adult beverages because I'm way over the age of th- 21. Uh, and I'm talking to motorcycle riders about moto stuff. So that's what's going on. Anybody that's just tuning in for the first time, you're watching Seat Time. Seat Time is an off-road news show talking about racing results, weird shenanigans, shenanigans that go on online, and possibly uh, we're going to talk to some uh, guys about their gray hair as they shave it off so that they can't see it anymore. I might be talking about Mike Lafferty. But... What we're going to be doing tonight is we're going to be talking to Mike Lafferty and we're going to be talking to Cowboy Kenny Bartram, two very, very different type of riders, uh, but they're both awesome in their own right. And those are the kind of things that we're going to talk about. So Seat Time, you can find us at SeatTime.co. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. Of course, this show, you can find us on YouTube, Stitcher, or iTunes. All you have to do is search for Seat Time and uh, just ignore all the guys that talk about their tractors. It comes up. It's weird. I just go with it. So as I said... One of our guests for this evening is Mr. Mike Lafferty. So, Mr. Mike Lafferty, you're at Cole Kirkpatrick's house over in some part of Texas. I won't mention the city. Don't want to get him in trouble. How is your evening going, kind sir? Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. So, I mean, you have been all over the freaking place when it comes to, to racing dirt bikes, especially when it comes to enduro because of the fact that you are, what, nine-time freaking champion? I mean, you have done this for a very, very long time. I think 1993 was when you won the first, like, regional, uh, you know, championship. So, dude, how have you been doing this for so long? It's, uh, if it was nine, I'd be done by now. But was it eight? Only, I only got, yeah, oh, eight. I would have never believed Wikipedia. Yeah. I would have totally well all right well you know what i quit i'm done yep. that's fine so you got eight you that's know. cool yeah it's only it was tied with with dick uh burleson with that's what not that i've been kind of keeping tabs on it but if i got nine or even more than that yeah i would have uh i i could say that i was pretty much done but um <laughs> i don't know uh, other I'm, I'm still going for it so this is like 19 years of racing for ktm so i'm happy on that next year it'll be 20 and it's all good Dude, yeah, absolutely. So you're 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 riding Husabergs now, but obviously you've been with KT, you know KTM, of a, I guess a parent umbrella corporation. I don't really know how you would say it, uh, you know, for majority if not all of those freaking years. But you now have a fifth already in 2013 at Georgia, and then a second uh, at round two, and you're getting ready to go into round three at the Concho Enduro this coming weekend. So you're off to a fantastic start if you are going for that ninth. Maybe that's what I was thinking of when I was you know, randomly sounding like an idiot. Um, so, I mean, how is what was it going into this year that you were just like, all right, how do I get my ninth championship? Um, I had a really good last uh, last season on a two-stroke. Right? And, you know, racing against Stu and all that, we, um, you know, with Husaberg, it we came back to a two-stroke. It kind of... Long story short, Husaberg kind of brought their technology back together with KTM, and it's real similar to a KTM, but it has a little bit of differences. 
So I got back to that. It felt like it gelled so much more, and I had a really good year, two stroke wise. I didn't change bikes all along. You know, I stick with the one, same, stuck with the same bike, two fifty, two stroke. Rode it a ton. We didn't have a four stroke last year. It was only two fifty, two stroke, and three hundred. Right. So there was no four stroke option. Then at the end of the year, I went to Sweden, did some pictures and stuff, and rode a three fifty. Rode all the models. We came out with a, we have a two fifty four stroke, a uh, three fifty, and a five hundred. And at the time when I rode them, I'm like, man, three fifty was like my favorite bike. So it was just fun to ride. And in the winter time, when I got an opportunity to ride one last winter or get one, I rode it all winter long. I rode it from like November, December, and a little bit of January. And I knew the times were going to, you know, change. I wanted to ride, um, race my two stroke. So when that came back around, we got you, Mike. Keep going. Oh. I, I lost you on screen here, so oh, it's it's it doesn't think I'm attractive, and gotcha. it just just cuts out the video. It does. It's just whatever. <laughs> gotcha. So um, once that all all kind of came back, I was like, man, I want to go back to my two stroke, and things just didn't jive very well. So when I did that, you know, I raced the first race, and I just wasn't clicking with my two stroke. Things weren't coming around too good, and um, I, I I wasn't gonna you know after the first round with fifth that really uh, fifth for me was like my worst rate or worst place last year and i just wasn't happy with that and i just i just i worked so hard and and you know just wasn't jiving with it i was like why beat this up i'm gonna go back to my i'm gonna go back to my 350 and as soon as that race was over we went back home got some things organized changed things up and i raced the last you know the last one in south carolina and and did really well but even go back from that in the winter time in january i came to Sumner and raced the national hair scramble and on my 350 Race with Charlie and Russ and and um, uh, Andrew DeLong, a bunch of guys, and I I felt great on my 350. It was so much fun. Following weekend, I rode a practice enduro, and that was where I didn't do so well there. And that's where I kind of knew, man, I don't know if I should be doing this. So that was kind of the that was kind of the beginning of of me going to switch things back and um, and or I had it back in my mind I was gonna I wanted to race my 350. Right. So that's where it all kind of stemmed from, and that's how. You know, I wasn't real happy with my first finish, but things turned around in the second round, and and um, you know, the whole day turned out really good. I had a, I had a great ride, and um, I love my 350. So, needless to say, I'm 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 on a 350, and I'm sticking to it. Nice. Okay. Well, that's that's actually really good to know because it sounds like from the chitter chatter online that a lot of people were like, "Oh my gosh, Mike's going back to a 350." You know, because we saw said like the whole KTM team a couple years ago go to all two strokes. Saw you uh, and Farringer going onto the two strokes kind of officially last year in the National Enduro Circuit. So it seemed like there was this really big push back to two strokes. People were like, "Wow, is this?" Yeah. And you see it, I think, as well in the hard yeah, enduro kind what, of stuff. I mean, that's what the cool thing with KTM they make such great good bikes on on two and four stroke. You know, and they're kind of like, "Hey, man, whatever." Whatever makes you know whatever makes us happy. That's such a good thing with the company that we can. Mm, man, I'm telling you, this is going to kill me one day. Whenever we can figure this crap out, it's going to be awesome. So we got a little bit of technical difficulties. Steven's going to go ahead and get Mike Lafferty back on. We're talking right now about 252 strokes versus some of maybe the, the, the newer. Uh, four strokes that they've got coming out. So it sounds like a 350. James, come over here and sit down with me really quick while we get them back. So this is, uh, if everybody had no idea, this is James Hill. We're not going to have a really mic for him, so he's just going to have to say yes, no, maybe nod a little bit and uh, see how it goes. He may just stay here the whole time and look cute. I'm not too sure. So, uh, but that's okay. He's got his drink going on. So you were, you uh, this past weekend went racing, right? 
Yep. All right. So we got a yes from him, just so you guys know. And uh, did you did you like the track? It was good. I, I like. I enjoyed it. He liked the track. Except for the dust. And who likes dust in Texas, though? Really, I, I don't. I don't think there's anybody that really uh, that really actually enjoys that. Uh, so I know we we were out there on Saturday. We were playing around. We were trying to figure it out. We were having some fun. I thought the course was awesome. I thought they did a fantastic job laying it out. Um, I was not out there for when they had the Toro race, unfortunately. But so I don't really know what the course was. Different people said there was some Toro stuff. There was some non-Toro stuff. Uh, but I thought it was a lot of fun. I really had. A, I liked the blue lines. I'm glad that they made them tough again. I yeah. think that for a long time they were not making them tough. So. Yeah, no, no. Uh, that's that's how the Toro race was. It had it had. I think it was all all the same blue lines, but uh, they they were definitely okay. They so they did a lot of the same blue lines. That's good, yeah. Because I think one of the first things that people said was that you know, oh my gosh, TCCRA has put in tough lines. Like this is this is ridiculous, you know. So I'm glad to see that. You know what what I'm realizing now though, Stephen, is that we're gonna have to have a second mic just at all times set up, ready to go for situations like this. When it's like, you know what? We have a sexual, in, sexy individual in the studio. We need to, <laughs> we need to get it going. So it sounds like we've got a little bit, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more audio there. All right. Sorry so, about that. Uh, hey, w- w- did you just want to like take a quick break so you could eat your Wendy's and not have to be on camera while you did it? No, no, I, I did it. I didn't move the little icon thing around here a little bit, so I went to sleep and then I couldn't see his. And next thing you know, she's gone. So, thankfully, Cameron showed up, um, Cole's brother, and hooked me up. So what you're saying is you got a little computer illiterate. So it was actually nothing on our end. Zero on your end, all me. Damn it. One day we are going to have a non-technical difficulty show. I promise it's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know when, but I can't wait for that day. Regardless. Okay, so as I was saying, a lot of people questions two-stroke, oh my God, four-stroke, and you are now going back to the four-stroke. So it's a new 350, the FE350 from Husaberg. Tell us about the new 350 and why that bike to you is so much better over the two stroke or even better than its predecessor. Um, I, when, like I said, I'll go back to Sweden. Do some pictures with it. And I don't want, I'm like, Oh my God, this is only 350. It had some good power. It actually was pretty fast. So that, and it, it seems super light. I'm used to 400s, 450s of KTMs. Not that they were heavy, but these things have slimmed down so much that um, it was super light, you know, but it had tons of boost. So that's when it started to get in my mind that, you know, maybe this thing would be, you know, pretty good to race. And then once I got one in the wintertime, um, you know, I actually rode it quite a bit at home and, and practiced with it quite a bit. And I could, I mean, like I say, it, I tell a lot of people, like, dude, the 350's got tons of power, just as much as a, as a 400 or one of my old 450 KTMs. And they right. look at you like, there's no, there's no way, but it does. <laughs> but, um, you know, uh, other than, you know, the differences – it's it's got the full um, uh, subframe is all composite plastic. Um, you know, four chamber fork. The, the the new forks that have the rebound on one side, compression on the other. Um, virtually same frame, same swing arm, and it's kind of a mix in between a, a KTM motor uh, XC and W, but a little bit of XC stuff in the, in the, on the head and stuff. So um, it's kind of a kind of a hybrid in between the two motor wise, same chassis uh, or frame, but different on like the, the, the subframe and some other stuff. So it's kind of got a mix of, of a little bit of stuff um, from both sides. Interesting. Okay. And uh, with this 350, do you feel that uh, you have to, 
let me rephrase. Uh, when I was riding a 350 and from a lot of other people say is that they feel like y- you go from the 250 to 350, you, you over rev it like you would a 250. Where on a 450, you kind of have a little bit more of a lazy person power band. Um, do you feel that this 350 is a lot the same or do you just, I mean, do, do you not feel that that's the case at all? It's the part of motor over revving it. No, I don't, I don't feel that. I just dig it because it's um, like turning it from an Enduro. It's all about turns and, and, you know, left, right, switching, you know, changing, changing, uh, direction a lot. Yeah. You're not, you don't. The power, but it's also got the weight. It's almost like a 52 stroke and a 300. Actually, same amount of weight, but a 300 just feels heavier, taking it from turn to turn back and forth for a while, where the 350 just feels nimble, you know, the entire time um, compared to that. But motor wise, it doesn't, I mean, as far as it has, I like bottom. I like to have a lot of bottom end, and it's got all the bottom I could want. And I feel like if it's, you know, revving it out, it's not like it, they're not revers like they used to be. And I think when the first 2010, 11 350s came out, yeah, they were all about revving. But uh, these things now, you you know, they they got some motor into them now that that um you know they got lots. What they've done since then is they gained horsepower and they lost some weight, which is a great combination. You right, know, and that's yeah, kind of sure. what you're looking for. Yeah. yeah, man. Okay, so with this 350, we're going into round three of the National Enduro Series. Um, you have competed in you know the first round of the GNCC and a local TCSRA race and some other local races but for this race particularly you're showing up a little early in Texas you're going to do some testing you're going to try to get some suspension stuff figured out what are some of the things that you plan on changing or you think you're going to need to be changing uh for uh for the Concho race this coming up weekend um the only thing that that for me is is dry and hard back and that's all the reason why I came a little early and ride, we were already in Florida. So to come across and travel, it's kind of like, you know, it's on the way. Why, you know, no sense of going home in Jersey when it's cold. So for me, um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So there's snow there and there's not here. So we're good. But um, uh, my only thing is, it's hard. You know, so, so for tires, instead of going from sand, we're you know, looking at action. So that's the only thing. I actually, I rode the same exact bike in Florida. Tuesday and Thursday at Alligator that I rode here at the local race. Same exact setup, same bike. Um, all uh, my mechanic did, Adam, was put on different tires. We were hard pack 31, um, done up front and back, and that's it. That's all we did. So for me, it's just traction and trying to get, you know, getting used to it. For me, you know, riding hard pack, slick, you know, uh, uh, stuff like we did this past weekend is just getting me more comfortable to just riding that stuff. Not like I haven't done it in a while, but it just – for me, instead of showing up on a Thursday and Friday and riding for an hour or two hours and then racing a race on Sunday, it just feels like I got a little bit more under my belt just to go out and ride and, and get used to the hard pack. Yeah. Okay. Uh, before we kind of come on to some of the, the racing you did this past weekend in Texas, how was it showing up at River Ranch at round one and like totally dominating on that first lap? I mean, you were right there with Wibbly. I mean, it was, that had to feel awesome. Yeah, going from hero to zero and like, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, but you also broke a shift lever off. So, I mean, you, you, did, you had some mechanicals. I wouldn't call that awesome. But, um, yeah, all the week prior, I rode quite a bit. And I've ridden Florida all the time. I live in San, so And I enjoy that place. That place is awesome, actually. And, and um, you know, I was just, I was just geared up for it. Um, kind of like, for me, I, I knew I want to have a good result there. And, and um, when we got off to the start, I had a crap start. And I kind of did, you know, did one of my old, you know, things where I kind of get, you know, I, I make the first the first lap like an Enduro and pin it 
for a little while there and, and got to the front and I knew there was going to be some new stuff. And I, if I had the opportunity to, to lead in that new stuff, I wanted to. And I happened to get around Wibs, I think, in the, in some of the new stuff and um, try and just hammer it. You know, I just felt, I felt comfortable. And then, um, you know, we finished out the first lap pretty decent. And then pretty much, you know, the wheels came off. And after that, I got stuck and got upside down in the mud hole and lost, took my gloves off because I couldn't hold on and goggles and all that. And then um, kind of got reorganized a little bit and tried to pin it from there and uh, did a big flip and, and landed in some trees, broke my shifter off, all kinds of crap. And that was figured, pretty much took the winds out of my sails there and I figured I was done. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's kind of almost refreshing. I mean, not that I want you to get hurt, but it makes me feel good that the fast guys crash because I crash all the time and it sucks. Yeah. It, it, it's almost, you know, humanizing a little to, to, to realize it's, that you guys get upside down in mud holes and take your gloves off and get pissed and remove goggles and, and other yeah. kinds of, you know, slow person shit. That's, yeah. And that, that to me, it was, it was, it was my idea or, or kind of, I was my choice, but I was asked to do that race. And I'm like, you know, it was kind of one of those things like, Hey, you got to come to Florida and, and, you know, just represent Husaberg and, you know, me and Russ. And I'm like, you know what? I'll take, you know, it was like a challenge, but in the back of my mind, I don't want to get hurt, you know, to be totally honest. I know I got, I got my, my big prize and my big goal is the national Enduros. And, you know, I didn't have to be there, you know, and especially, you know, yeah, I want to, you know, but it's a double-edged sword when I want to go fast. I want to try and do my best, but you got it in the back of your mind, like, Hey man, don't crash, don't fall. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of like once that all happened, I'm like, okay, I'm okay. I did a big crash. I was bruised up. I was, you know, I was beaten up a little bit. It was like, man, you'll be fine. And then, you know, that kind of settles in. And then that's where I took some of that aggression from there. You know, it's, it was a confidence booster that I could ride that pace and I could ride with those guys. I think that the pace, you know, I haven't been able to see that maybe the last couple of years. And for me to get back up to that was definitely a boost. And then I took that into the alligator on Thursday and, and just rode my own race and rode, you know, rode pretty well. Yeah, totally kicked ass. That's um, interesting that you were talking about the pace for the GNCCs. Do you think that those guys, did those guys, I mean, we, I am not a GNCC racer, obviously. Are those guys going 110% for three hours? Like just on it? <clears throat> my, my personal experience from what I've ever done is I was back in with Fred Andrews, Rodney Smith, all those guys. They'd get up to the start, they'd cruise, they'd pin at the last hour. Right. And me, I couldn't do that. Like I, I had the mentality of going fast, wanted to go fast, right off the start, and then I didn't want to play their game. So for a lot of years, I struggled with that. And then finally, I just said, you know, or my mechanic at the time was telling me, just just go. Just do what you want to do and ride. And then I ended up winning some. And, you know, I only won two GNCCs in, you know, in, in my career. And um, that was when I led from the beginning to the end. But nowadays, for me, I haven't seen it in a while. But it seemed like they, a lot of these guys are just like, especially Charlie and Caleb, they look at it as a 13 race series. It's the only the first lap. You know, they look at it as it's, you know, they, they're going to, they're going to, you know, it's like a chess match, man. They're going to, they're going to go fast, but they're going to stay out of trouble and they're going to, they're going to, um, you know, just key off each other and kind of, you know, just kind of ride. I definitely, in my, my opinion, they, they don't pin it off the, off the, off the first lap. You know, they know it's a three hour race. It's grueling. It's tough. They have to pay attention to a lot of stuff. So, you know, for me coming there and ride one race, my mentality is I want to pin it and, and go as fast as I can, as long as I can where they're going to sit back and then just kind of, you know, as the day goes on, just get faster and faster. And then, uh, you know, when the time comes, make their move at the end. Right. right. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. I've, uh, 
having talked to a couple of those guys and trying to figure out like what pace they go, it's, I mean, obviously we know it's fast, so I think go fast. You know, that's good. Yeah, that's no, yeah no doubt about it. <laughs> yep, but it's 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 a game that you have to learn how to play, and I think that those, you know, especially Charlie, Caleb, all of them, you know, they 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 know how to play it, and they um, you know, they work hard at that, and that's their, you know, it's a three hour race, but you know, they're um, there's little races within that whole thing, and the last, you know, it's all about not, you know, it doesn't matter about the first mile, you know, it's all about the last mile and who's crossing checkers, you know, at the end. Yeah, and uh, speaking of the last mile, we got to see Caleb Russell in the last mile. Uh, well, he kind of had it for the last lap, but still it was really exciting to see him come away with the win this past weekend. He really, really wanted it at uh, at River Ranch, and he had it for a very long time, but it looked like Mullins got around him on the last lap, Came and Mullins came around with a checker there at round one, but now Caleb's got the win at round two uh, at the general. Uh, of those guys, or of any of the guys that you kind of have been able to meet and see now throughout GNCC, where do you see the big battle this year in the XC1 class? Um, uh, I mean, Charlie for sure, you know, is going to be strongest with being, you know, he's got his, his bike organized now, and the guys, he knows how to win races. There's no, there's no two ways about it. But, you know, and he's tough in every aspect of, of the thing. He knows the game. He knows, you know, what to do and everything. But with, uh, with Caleb... It's scary because the kid, the kid knows how to win races now. You know, yeah. he's scary fast, and he knows how to put it together. And it, not surprisingly, that he won on Sunday. But to have Charlie push him all the way to the end, and I think Charlie got around him on the last lap, and Caleb got back by him, surprised me a little bit. But like I say, that just gives more fuel to the fire for him. And, and uh, I see Caleb be super, super strong. You know, um, you know now also. I think when he's riding the OMA races, that's only going to make him better. You know, I think, you know, he talked about, I don't, I don't know if he, you know, say cares, you know, to do another series or what his whole thing is there. But I can only see that from, from my perspective that from doing Enduros and GCCs back to back, they help each other and they kind of work. You know, you learn one, one thing at one, it works better than another. And he's only going to be a better rider from there on out from just racing GCCs. I'm just telling you now. I think either Mike for, Mike forgot to uh, move the mouse, or we may have lost signal again. Either way, we're talking I'm about. Gonna kill, I'm going to kill the video on our side. That's fine. I think that's absolutely perfect uh, explanation for you, Stephen, to kill the video. I'm going to kill the video star because radio killed that motherfucker, or video killed the radio star, or whatever. Somebody's dying tonight. You know what I'm saying? It is getting super killed. So we're still live. We're still going. We're still talking with Michael Lafferty. We're going to get him back on here. Some of the stuff that did happen, though, as we were talking about, is uh, the GNCC results this past weekend. So XC1, we had uh, Charlie Mullins. Uh, we had Caleb Russell. Sorry. Caleb Russell got uh, first. Charlie Mullins in second. And then we had Thad Duvall in third. I was actually extremely excited to see Thad Duvall in third. Uh, having talked with him a lot at the ISDE about what he was uh, trying to do and accomplish getting his win last year. Uh, so he, I, I think, I think he's strong. I think, uh, Thad's going to have some more wins. Obviously Paul Wibley has been having some issues. I think he's trying to figure out maybe, uh, where this new speed came from. I don't know if it's new speed is the right word from some of his, com uh, competitors or if it's just something else. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how Thad Duvall kind of really, uh, you know, keeps, keeps on going. What's up, Mike? You look good. It wasn't me this time, buddy. Yeah, I know. I'm not going to say anything about anything because we are, Steven already decided we're killing people tonight. So. Right on. But, uh, back, so good. Yeah, back to all that, I think Caleb's going to be really strong. You know, I think he's, he's, he's figured it out and he's got things going on. But, 
that whole the whole thing with you know with those two, I think are gonna be top runners, and there's no way you can count out you know um, uh, Wibbs and Strang and you know those guys. They know how to win races too, and once they get organized, they're gonna be they're gonna be tough. And um, who I hope really does well, and that I kind of you know I've been you know kind of been a uh, known him for a long time is Thad. You know, what happened getting third last weekend was good for him. I think it's, you know, I think he's on a good bike and, you know, hopefully he can, um, the kid can ride, you know, the kid can ride a bike and if he can ride to his potential, I think he can win races. So, absolutely. Bit of a kicker for him and, you know what I mean? He can, uh, he can get it done. Yeah. And he got that win last year. So I think, I think he can, he can build upon that one. And if he gets another win this year, he's going to be, he's going to be in a really, really good place to do really well. XC2 class has been really, I mean, Andrew Long, two wins in a row already. Uh, we, we saw him do really, really good at the end of last year. Um, he, he was out early because of an injury and Stuart Baylor really kind of took the points lead from that point. But, uh, and then Jason Thomas coming back and getting the win. So the overall win. So I, I think, him with Jason Thomas there's going to be and then Grant Baylor stepping it up and getting on the podium if Zach Osborne makes a couple more he's going to be stealing points away from people and it's it's good racing I like it and then now that the GNCC webcast have you had a chance to watch any of the live webcast that's been going on no I, I raced on Sunday at the, at the local there so I missed I missed that and I haven't had a chance to really check <laughs> oh yeah and you were you know in you know the GNCC round one, so exactly. Yeah, it's kind of hard to do that one. I, I mean, I could have because I only did one lap, but yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously, what the hell? Why be pissed off about a broken shift lever when you just go sit down in front of a computer and watch the rest of it? Yeah, yeah, right? that's the last thing I wanted to do. Yeah, I hear that. Well, okay. <laughs> so before we talk a little bit about the TCCRA stuff, I wanted to say thank you very much to one of our partners and sponsors of the show, of course. Fly Racing. Uh, if you haven't never seen pictures of uh, James Hill and I when we're out racing, we're wearing fly gear right now. I've got my fly, fly racing shirt on right now because of the fact that they make cool shit. You know what? I like to look cool, so I put cool shit on. No, but seriously. Um, 2013, they've got some really, really nice stuff that's coming out. We're about to see their new kinetic mesh line come out, which I'm super excited for. They've got some really badass-looking uh, ads that are coming out, and they make it look really cool. But what I like about it, is they've got all these fun, yeah, what's up? I'm getting close. I'm getting all up in there. Showing in my armpit hair, it's fine. So Fly Racing has got some new new stellar stuff coming out. They even have a cool zipper lock badge thing on there. And you know, it actually works. I kind of thought it was a gimmick at first before I put the gear on the first time. It works. It keeps my zipper up. My shit doesn't fall down. You think I look cool, James? Yeah, see? If this guy doesn't know what's not cool, I don't know who does. So please go check them out, flyracing.com. Very, very big supporter of Sea Time, our title sponsor for the show. I mean, they pay oodles of money to do that, too. Oodles. I mean, Steven is rich now. I don't make anything. Steven gets it all. So we really appreciate that. I wish I knew what account that was going Yeah, I know. <laughs> Just kidding. Ugh. But they're really awesome. Please go check them out. So, Mike. This past weekend, you showed up in Texas early, as we were talking about, and you randomly showed up at a TCCR TCCRA event, which is one of our local tex, uh, local Texas cross country race series. Um, how did you find out about the race, and uh, what brought you out there? Um, well, I'm good friends with Cole Kirkpatrick, and uh, I actually called him. I think it was last week when I was in Florida, and said I was going to come across, and what he was going on, and. He often went and got a job on me, so that kind of threw a monkey wrench into my plan. But uh, he said that uh, like, I want your couch. I'm not home. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I figured you know, of all the times he's come to my place and hung out, you know, last year or two years ago, that uh, 
I'd come in here and, and crash at his place for a week and and do some riding or scoring around and and I asked about it. You know, I said I was going to come across. He's like, well, there might be some races going on that weekend. Um, and I was like, man, from alligator on Thursday, you know, um, we didn't leave till midday on Friday. It was going to be tough to get over here, and you know, it's quite a long drive. So um, on the way across, we, you know, I just looked on the website. He's told me about it. My buddy Steve Levine was telling me about it, and. Um, yeah, I said, you know, if I can do it. And I was like, you know what? I think I got showed up like 8.30 on Saturday night. And I'm like, I'll look around. If it looks good, everybody said the property was cool, that I'll just go and ride and see what happens. So I'd rather just show up late and get up in the morning. I think it was 7 or 8 o'clock or something to, to do, do a practice lap and look around. And that's it. It was pretty much – I didn't really stay make a decision. If I could do it, I, I, you know, I could make it. I did. And, um, it was, you know, any racing I think is, you know, especially in the same state, if it's, it's close by that, um, and I have the time to do it, I'm going to try and, and pull it off. And I do a lot of local races at home, local races wherever I can go. And if I, you know, have something going on, especially the following weekend, it can do nothing but help me in the, in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's great that you're going to do stuff like that because supporting uh, the local series is extremely, extremely important. Uh, you know, they're not doing this to become rich, you know, but they do need to pay the bills and every racer that can come in and pay a little bit to help out. If not to just try to win a purse can help out the series. And I think that's fantastic. So you got the win this past weekend and, uh, I was not there. I was at home. I was doing housework and stuff like that. But I, of course, afterwards people are like talking about all kinds of stuff. You got the win. There was some kind of weird protest. So just, you know, from your perspective, tell us what happened and kind of what went down on that end. Um, I was told these places from, from Cole and some other guys that, Hey, you know, there's ribbon sections of stuff that, um, there's hard ways to go up certain, uh, hill climbs and rock things or whatever. And it's blue ribbon or whatever. And you got to stay within that and pretty much just stay within those boundaries or whatever. If they have a section, you got to stay from one point to another, but it's got to be in the blue or whatever. Blue ribbon marks that thing. Right. So, I, I was like, all right, because I guess it's at the hard way. A lot of you know, you can go that way. If not, you go around, and then they meet back together and so forth. So that's all I kind of knew. You know, I've done tons of stuff before. You know, easy ways, hard ways, all that kind of stuff. But you know, to stay on the main line and all that kind of stuff. So for me, I wasn't even going to go practice until I heard some of that stuff. You know, being harder or you know, um, type of line. So I just went and looked around in the morning and. I kind of understood, but I thought that they meant like if there's a, a ribbon on the right and the left, you had to stay between those two, you know, things all the way to its point. And, you know, I, from my, you know, it wasn't anybody there to look at from, from my experience and from me just wanting, like riding around and looking at it, it was pretty self-explanatory. It wasn't like you needed anybody to tell you go here or go there or whatever. You kind of stopped at the bottom. You can understand it said easy one way, hard the other. And when you got to the top, you merge back in with the track. So, you know, for me, I wasn't looking, you know, as far as gaining anything or go win the race or, you know, looking at it like I got to go do this. You know, I, I've been in plenty of races where I've lost local stuff before. So for me, I'm not going out there and putting it on the line and busting my butt, you know, to race against a local kid that's going for a series championship. Right. I'm a spoiler or however you look at it. You know what I mean? Some people think it's dumb. Some people's not. My perspective is I've been doing it a long time. I want to ride my bike. I want to have some fun. And when it comes to racing, I'm going to race, you know. But I'm gonna, if I get beat, I get beat, you know. I, I'm, I'm, I think it makes you a better person when you do get beat or you have competition 
with someone I would rather have ride with fast piece people, especially like I did this past weekend. The kid that I raced with, I'm not really sure of his name. Uh, Cody Beck is the one who yeah. got second place. That uh, obviously the protest was about too, but he, yeah, Cody, Cody Beck. Yep. No, you know the kid is fast. You know, there's no two yeah. ways about it. The kid is fast, and I like a challenge with that. You know, and and with someone racing or someone coming up with me or you know, a lot of places there's no way, no two ways about it. He was faster than me in some places. You know, and for me to get, you know, when he caught up to me, he kind of went, you know, go to the inside line of me and went around. No problem, man. I was good with it. I followed him and it was like, it kind of made me, I, I opened up a little bit about, man, you know, charge a little bit harder or do whatever. But for me, that's just racing, you know? Right. And, and I, I don't remember if it was that lap or if I, I don't think I, I don't remember exactly what lap, how long I stayed behind. But apparently when I passed them on a, blue line thing like you went up top this hill and you turned to the right the blue line kept going longer for a little while for another 100 yards and then it came back right well there was a burned in line that you went right because it was only um, i'm not trying to make it seem like it wasn't that big but it was in a field and when you came back together it was only like 10 15 feet wide that the trails came back together yep those to stay to the right on that blue line thing all the way around for another hundred yards. So when we got up there, it was like he pinned it. It was, you know, I was alongside of him and it was a drag race, but he stayed to the right and I stayed to the left, but I was on the wrong line and I, and I went to the next turn on the outside, but he said I was in the, on the orange. So, and I'm not, I'm not trying to make it seem like, you know, for me, I, I I'm given it, you know, given my example of it, he probably has a different side of it or whatever, but in that state of things, it's almost like the club's fault, you know, and I'm not trying to seem like if, I'm gonna, if somebody coming there and showing up, I've been in a lot of races, I understand all this kind of stuff. If that's a spot like that, maybe maybe they I mean the club needs to maybe learn from that or, you know, or if that happened, you know, for me, if I was at a local race, something that happened and the kid didn't know or I didn't know, that's not going to demoralize me or make me, it's going to make me want to fight. I was only on the second lap. I think this right. happened, like, you know, there was another hour and 20 minutes of racing. You know what I mean? Let's let's get it done. You know, he caught me once. He can catch me again. You know, let's yeah. let's let's do this. So, on that side of things, but you know, it's kind of you know, I I, have, I don't know what else even you know to to remark about. It's you know, if we can learn something from it, you know, and does it give me a bad taste in my mouth that I'm gonna show up at another TCR race and make sure that you know I stay on the line and you know that I don't cheat or I guess however you want to look at it. It doesn't really. Um, you know, everybody's got their rules and their thing and, you know, I'm not there to disrespect that or, you know, uh, do, do, you know, to go there and just win the race just because of that. Hey, if I knew I did wrong, dude, you can take my, take my, I, I would have, you know, you can have the trophy, you can have the money, you know, cause guys like that, you know, for whatever the purse was and so forth, they work hard for that. Right. I, you know, I give them, you know, for me, I race for a living. I'm there to have fun. I'm there to get racing. I'm, I'm there to, to, to get some practice in. I'm not there to, to, you know, cut the course to win a local race to have whatever, you know what I mean? A, 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 a plaque or whatever, you know yeah. what I mean? Well, I think it's, it's good to get your side of it for sure. Um, and, and I think for, from, 
unfortunately, the little bit that I was able to dig up and stuff, it sounds like you guys had a great race going on. That Cody Beck did a phenomenal job. He has been uh, working really, really hard. He was, you know, he was a pro. Then he kind of went to school over in Europe, and he came back, and he's been really working hard ever since. And I think it's paying off. I think it shows. Like you said, he was going really fast. He was in front of you. He passed you. So I think uh, we should have another race. That's what we should do. Just say, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be fun. But yeah. uh yeah. And, I mean, and that's that's where I say. I mean, it has a chance to, you know, the um, bottom line to, to kick and ride a bike, you know. And I and I, you know, I told him, him I said, "Hey, man, you can, you're, you know, I told him, good job, you know. Sorry that happened. If that's what you feel, you got to go do that. Um, you know what I mean? No disrespect. Go for it. You know, yes. it's, it's it's your. He lives here. I I don't. You know, I'm just passing through. So, uh, you know, it's um, you know, it's 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 uh, you know, his side, my side, whatever. To me, it you know, I'm, I'm going to go home and race some local race myself and have some of the same situations. So, you know, it's not going to it's not going to you know put a damper on me for going to races or whatever. I'm still going to go and ride. Right. So my biggest my big goal is next weekend and getting myself organized for that and you know meet some people on the way. And I I've hung out at Action uh, Motorsports here in Decatur and you know met a bunch of people and I've been hanging out. It's been fun and that's what I'm all about. You know, I want to have some fun while I'm here and, and get organized and. And just hang out in Texas. Dig it. Well, I think that's a fantastic idea to do. So this past weekend, TCCRA, we had the pro class, Mike Lafferty with the win. We had Cody Beck with second and Cameron Ishmael in third. Uh, Cameron Ishmael had a big knee surgery this past year, so I'm, I'm happy to see him up there competing with those guys again. Um, you know, Cody Beck's been working really hard. Cameron Ishmael's been working really hard. I think uh, having a guy like you, Mike Lafferty, come in and challenge him is good regardless. Um, I think maybe, uh, you know, if – it, my own personal opinion, considering I was out there on practice on Saturday, I did see the line issue um, on the blue and the pink. I think that it was not marked very well, and they could have done things better. As we said, this is something, a great a great way. Nobody wants to learn while they're on fire, but if you're going to learn while you're on fire, you might as well learn when the shit burns you. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's just – so hopefully this is all something we can – that the, the clubs can learn from, everybody else can figure out, and we can go racing another weekend because regardless, we're going to go racing another weekend. So <laughs> I think that's what's going to happen. Um, so, dude, all right. We're, we're, we're coming to a little bit of a close on our time cap here. We're going to talk to Cowboy Kenny Bartram in a little bit. Um, but, dude, give us a little bit more of a lowdown what the rest of your re- re- year is going to look like, where people can find you online, and you know how they can uh, follow your progress throughout the rest of the year. Well, the main thing is uh, Hoosberg with uh, National Enduros. So anything on, um, what was it, nationalenduro.com where right. all those races, I mean, we're, I think we'll be back here close in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. That's probably a local one for you. Or yeah, it's like uh, October, I believe. Right, right. So, and then Louisiana, it will be in a few weeks. Um, so I'll be driving back over to that, um, dropping a truck off and flying home for a couple weekends. But um, all National Enduro stuff. And then... A lot of other stuff I do too is um, the Ride Orange events. So if you go to KTM USA and check out Ride Orange, there's a lot of races and or uh, sorry, a lot of uh, trail rides, a lot of uh, things we do for demos and a bunch of stuff I help KTM out do or do with them also. Um, there's a big rider rally we do every year. Um, this year it's going to be in Colorado Springs in September, I think Ooh. September. So big ride, big 990 KTMs, um, all that kind of stuff. So I do uh, probably like 15 events with those guys doing that stuff. And um, like I say, kind of fills in between the gaps of the National Enduros, which is only 10. 
but there's enough there to kind of keep, you know, keep things organized or right. keep gear going with all that stuff. Plus our uh, dealer meetings and all that stuff. I think our dealer meeting this year is in Austria at the factory. So that'll be fun. And um, new bikes coming out. We'll be jumping on those things. I think Husterberg's uh, going to uh, launch their bikes way sooner. I think they'll be out maybe July. Whoa. So yeah, it's going to be, going to be real early on that side of things. Um, so can I just buy like a 2015 now? I think 14. I don't know if we can go two years ahead of time. Well, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, if we're getting, we're starting to jump like six months ahead. I mean, we might as well just like, whatever. Keep talking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They got new things going on. It's going to be pretty good with that. And then, um, it's always, you know, it always seems to be something happening and going on and a bunch of local stuff or whatever racing, but yeah, everything, uh, it's going wide open, man. I like it. Wide open's not a bad place to be. Well, dude, we really appreciate you being on the show. Uh, we never had you on the show before, and obviously that's going to have to change. You know, you're still a very big staple in our community, especially in uh, more off road and the enduros and stuff. But you know, that's where I grew up doing. So I love hearing about you, talking to you, and stuff like that. So I'm going to see you this next weekend. When you see this uh, this sexy human beast right next to me, well, you can't see him right now, but you will, because he's. I I saw him earlier. Yeah, and you were like, "Whoa, check that." <laughs> piece of meat out that's ridiculous yeah. no you weren't but that's okay uh we're gonna see you this next weekend and we're probably gonna say hi we're gonna high five and make it as awkward as possible okay perfect that's I'm- cool i really appreciate it having me thanks for cole for hooking this all up and yeah buying it all up because i um i don't even have barely got to turn on a computer so um he took care of me there and so we're good i like it man well we appreciate it drive safe we'll see you on uh saturday perfect thanks guys thanks yeah, for dude. take it easy all right, as uh, Steven goes ahead and uh, signs on our next guest, I'm going to go ahead and talk about our, uh, our, one of our other show sponsors. So uh, this is a good one, Squarespace.com. Uh, the good thing about Squarespace.com is that you can have the most professional-looking website uh, at the most ease of use ever. You go on to Squarespace.com slash seat time, and you sign up for your free, no credit card needed account. And with this account, then you can pick your domain name, it's your domain, and you keep it, and you go with it. And then from there, what you could do is you could use the discount code, SEATTIME1. And with that discount code, you save 10%. That's if you want to sign up and spend money. But if you're just like, hey, what's up, trial account? I'm just going to use you for a little while, make a bitchin' website. You can do that, and I think that that's awesome. What they have as well that makes it really cool is a lot, a lot of templates. And so you don't have to be a coder. You don't have to be a designer. You can have a bitchin' awesome website without any of that crazy stuff. And I think that that's the way it should be. They do all the hosting. Everything is responsive. So if somebody comes to your site on an iPad, they see it just fine. It's fancy. iPhone, fancy and fine. Computer, fancy and fine. Shit's awesome. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome, right, James? Yeah, it's awesome. All right. So remember, squarespace.com slash seat time. A discount code seat time one if you want to save 10% off of your purchase. They even have a new e-commerce solution if that's what you're in the mood for. You want to sell stuff? Sell stuff on Squarespace with your Squarespace site. Thank you very much, Squarespace. We appreciate your support. I believe that Steven has just signed us on to Kenny Bartram, the cowboy who has his cowboy hat on. What's up, dude? That's one hell of a goatee you got going on. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I've had a, I've had a couple whiskeys and Diet Cokes. Is that okay with you? Yeah, that's all right. No worries. I won't hold it against you. I don't want to hold anything against you either because that could be awkward for all of us. <laughs> uh, so what, dude, what's going on tonight? Where are you right now? 
I'm um, actually in our office in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, we have horrible internet reception out at our house. Everything goes by cell phone and air card out in the country. So we have a little office in town. Came down to make a little midnight stop or, I guess, 8 o'clock stop at the office. Right. Well, that's, well uh, so you're in Stillwater? Do you, you, I know you're from Stillwater, but are you back living in Stillwater full-time now? Yep. Yeah, I was born and raised here, and, and uh, this is where our mail still goes. Um, we're, right. we're hardly ever here. Uh, travel about 250, 280 days a year. So, But when we are home, this is what I call home. That is a hell of a lot of traveling. So... If we were to say, oh, my gosh, you're a badass FMXer, or oh, my gosh, you're a badass rally car driver, or, is that, those aren't the things, or are those the things that you're doing those 250, 280 days out of the year? Um, well, I've actually joked that I'm a truck driver for a living, and when I get where I go, and I get to ride a dirt bike. But, <laughs> I like it. That's one hell of a way to put it. You know, so, we put, yeah, I mean, we put about 80,000 miles on the truck a year. Um, so yeah, there's a lot, you know, two or three days driving a one day show and then two or three days driving home. So, you know, I, I obviously, I do get to ride a dirt bike and rally car and drive trucks and cars and whatever, but there's a lot of travel involved in it as well. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and, uh, is this, is this all stuff with the nitro circus or is this uh, something that you're doing on your own or a little bit of everything? Um, I do some nitro circus stuff still. Uh, they're doing their live tours now. I've had a couple parts in the 3d movie and then i also have my own company now called steel rodeo tour okay um, put traveling around putting on style shows nice okay so you're kind of back to doing a lot of the freestyle stuff then nowadays it, it, it's been it sound it, i saw a lot of you when it was coming up with the enduro the mesquite kind of enduro that the nitro guys put on that you were out there racing in uh the enduro cross race um, but before that, it was kind of hard. You know, it seemed like you were kind of out doing stuff. Um, not that you weren't doing anything, because you were doing. It, was, it seemed like you were doing a lot, but it wasn't a ton of coverage on it. So that was kind of one of the big things. It's like, not only are you a badass cowboy from Oklahoma, which is close to Texas, which is where we live, but you drank whiskey. You're a badass <laughs> motherfucker, and we wanted to talk to you on the internet. So, what is it that the Steel Rodeo Tour does, and where do you guys? Where, where do, like, are you in arenas, or what is? What's the kind of? What's the lowdown on all this stuff? Um, Steel Rodeo Tours is the name of our company, and we put on freestyle motocross at basically every, any event. Um, we specialize everywhere. In, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We specialize in intermission type of events. Um, we do a lot of rodeos, NASCAR races, uh, opening to football games. We do a lot of stuff at motocross and supercross type things, music festivals. Um, like I said, we, we're kind of all over the place. Like you wouldn't expect freestyle motocross at a football game. Um, but during the tailgating parties, you know, pre-game, there's not much for people to do. They just sit around and, and watch the TV and drink beer. So, you know, might as well watch somebody jump freestyle motocross. Um, so a lot of stuff like that is kind of cool. We get to bring it to to new demographic of people that wouldn't necessarily come out to a freestyle show or, or to a motocross event. And now we can bring them freestyle motocross and they get them hooked on our sport. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So you have been doing freestyle motocross for a very, very long time. Yes. Do you remember the first tricks or the trick that won you your first freestyle motocross competition? I do. Uh, the first thing that I really won, the, the first big event that I won was 1999 Gravity Games. It was a doubles contest with Travis Pastrana. Um, and it was, it was a whole run. You know, it had 12, 12 to 15 tricks in it. Uh, but, yeah, back then, man, tricks were like 
right side up. You know, nobody was upside down yet, but <laughs> cliffhanger, a single seat grab, and you were like, you were the man. Steel <laughs> uh, clickers, open cans, knacks, uh, stuff that nowadays, you know, it wouldn't be top 20 in a freestyle show or, or unless it's been done upside down. So, right. Yeah, or or on a stripper with the line of cocaine. Then it's then it's extreme, because you know a stripper is a trick it has been done upside down on more than. Yeah, no, we won't go there. Yeah, I'm not telling my wife about it though, because that's a, that's for Thursday nights. We're still on we're on Teaback Tuesdays, as uh, Todd Slavic and I like to call it. So you, uh, it's, it's interesting intermission though. You you actually know Todd Slavic, the cowboy, right? Yes, I do. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. So what's that relationship like? You know, do you feel that it's it, it's a give and take, or is it all give? Um, I try to honestly distance myself as much as I can from him. I, I raced him in an enduro, and that's how we met. And then he's always trying to like do like naked pictures, and and he, he's talking about me being naked on this show. And I'm like, no, dude, no, I'm not that. Whatever you do, that's what you do. But <laughs> I just want to ride dirt bikes. And have right? Yeah. No, he is. Uh, he was. He was on the show. Uh, yeah, no, he he's okay with it. He was on the show probably uh, about a year ago, and uh, we we wound up calling it Tea Back Tuesday because we started talking about all the thongs that we would wear. And so it kind of it got a little interesting. I'm not gonna lie, but uh, Todd is definitely uh, a cool guy, and it's it's good to know that you guys are are friends because he's really good friends with your uncle, who is Guy Cooper, which is amazing that Guy Cooper is your uncle. How, I mean, w- was your life just like before Travis Pastrana, just as many shenanigans, it just wasn't televised with him as your uncle? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, growing up in the Cooper family, I'm ath- actually a fourth generation motorcyclist. So all my aunts and uncles rode and raced. Uh, my grandparents owned a bicycle shop. So yeah, there, there was always something on wheels, skateboards, bicycles, unicycles, tricycles. It had wheels and it was usually upside down or in the air and we just didn't land it back, back then. So <laughs> Did you guys wear protection though? I mean, would you have ever thought that you would be in three D doing all this shit? I mean, come on now, really? <laughs> Definitely never thought I'd be in three D and you know, in a movie theater and that. Um I, I grew up watching my uncle Guy racing and so I always knew it was possible to make a living and make a career of it. Um uh, but I, I definitely never imagined where the sport would go. I've gotten to do so many things and meet so many cool people along the way that I I never could have fathomed the stuff that I've gotten to do through freestyle motocross. Yeah, um, it's I I know that Cooperland and all that kind of stuff was uh was there something that sticks out in your head that you just were like oh my gosh I can't believe this is happening as a kid like seeing all this racing and all this crazy stuff going on in your life. Um. Guy had a big jump out at his house that was called the 164-footer because uh, he went 164 feet on it. And back then, it was like uh, mid-90s, early 90s. It was like one of the biggest jumps that had ever been done. And several pro racers that came back, like you know, traveling pro, Brian Swink, Robbie Raynard, uh, you know, a bunch of top-level pro guys came right. back and like, you're nuts. There's no way we're not jumping that. I was like 14 at the time, still racing amateur class. I'm like, wow, that's, that's pretty cool, but... Yeah, it was definitely a crazy jump. He would like come from his driveway, pin it through the, through the woods, through some trails, jump across the creek, and then hit this just big, big launch ramp into nothing. And then there was a landing. <laughs> the landing was actually at about 140 feet, and he went like 30 feet past it. So holy shit! Didn't, was, didn't, didn't he bust a bunch of spokes yeah. out of his front room when he landed? 
He did actually. Yeah, you remember that? It was in a Dirt Rider magazine yeah, I, back I, in the day. I grew up in Tulsa. I heard about it whenever I was there. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw our buddy James. We're trying to work out our mic situation, and one day he's even going to have a microphone. <laughs> I was wondering if he was like Silent Bob over there in the corner, he just never talks. <laughs> well, apparently not, because motherfucker just decided to start talking. Jeez, James. <laughs> We, we keep You're telling fired. him he's really just here for his looks, and now he just starts yapping like he's got something to say. <laughs> I just can't. I, we we well, got to go ahead. Uh, I said I guess that's good for a radio DJ, you know. Yeah, yeah. Gosh, that's that's what sucks though. Is like I, we're not even on the radio. We just do this on the internet because that way nobody could turn us off. You know, we're just there, so it's like they can watch <laughs> it or not, regardless of what we do. That's right. So I mean. Do you think that you look better in 2D or 3D now that you've been in a 3D movie? <laughs> 3D. It definitely shows my, my physique better. Yeah. I tell my wife that all the time, and she's like, we're not buying the Magnum condoms. I was like, but... It, come on! We can make this work. She's like, no, we're not putting socks in it and just all this other... It's just ridiculous. I don't, I don't think there's any other reason. I don't know. I'm going to try. One day I think I'll be in 3D. You know, in a movie, anyway. Because right now, I guess we're in 3D. I don't know. I'm no scientist. Are you? That's 2D. Is it? Yeah. Well, I mean, you and I are in 3D. That's why I looked at you. Because if I looked at him, he's in no D. He's a flat screen right now. If I look at you, we're in 3D. Right? Okay. Again, I'm not a scientist, but I'm just going to go with it. Yeah? I guess so. Yeah. James, James is on a, a one-answer one yeah, right. note. I'm with Cecil. Oh, damn it. That's from Cecil Parker. Damn it. Cecil Parker That's just slapped true. me in the back of the head through a damn Android phone. It's kind of ridiculous. <laughs> so, I want to know more about you being a Hollywood stunt writer and how badass that okay. is. Didn't you do, like, Supercross, the movie, and, like, another movie you were, like, a stunt writer or something? Yeah, I did stunts. I did uh, the backflip for Supercross, the movie, unfortunately. I was the, the girl, the chick that did the flip. I had <laughs> hair taped to my helmet. And, yeah, you look have, like the chick. I actually wear a wig. They taped hair to the helmet. But, uh, yeah, I did, I did uh, stunts for that movie. Uh, there's an ultimate fighting movie called No Rules that I was in. And then Fantastic Four was definitely the biggest film that I was in. Um, that one was really cool. They actually rented out Vancouver uh, BC Place up in Vancouver, Canada, and, like, built an X Games course. Brought in like five thousand extras and ten thousand cardboard cutouts and all of that for like a thirty-second scene in the movie. It's like, couldn't you just buy footage from X Games a lot cheaper than renting out this stadium and bringing all these people in? But it, it was a blast for us. Uh, Ronnie Renner, Brian Deegan, and myself got to film it, and, and so that was that was one of the highlights of my career. You know, when I said I've, I've gotten to do a lot of cool things and been very blessed throughout, that that's one of them. You know? Yeah. Well, um, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, uh, it sounds like there was quite a few guys, uh, professional motocross racers and riders and stuff, you know, guys that are pretty badass on a dirt bike that were in Supercross the movie. Um, do you think mm -hmm. that that was money well spent, or was that movie just a bad idea? <laughs> um, the the movie was I'm trying to figure out how to word this. <laughs> it was a it was fun. Um, I think some of the people involved in the production aspect were not always on the up and up. And so it kind of burned a lot of bridges, but it also brought Supercross, even though it wasn't really true to the Supercross roots, right. it still brought motocross and Supercross to, to a new forefront of people that might not have ever seen it. Huh. So. Okay. Well, yeah, I had to ask because, you know, uh, Jimmy Albert, uh, not, uh, 
what is oh shoot j money uh jason thomas who's on uh, the pulp of max he was one of the stunt writers i believe too and uh, he was always just kind of ragging on it and stuff so i kind of wanted to get your perspective just on uh on <laughs> kind of how it went down for you guys that were actually paid to do it if you will yeah exactly it, it was fun you know i mean it anytime we get to go ride our dirt bikes yeah i should be pumped you know if somebody's paying me a little bit of money and i get to go ride a dirt bike that's what life's all about to me is going and having fun um yes the movie was kind of cheesy and there was some parts that like i said aren't true to the supercross roots you know the the team aspects and whatnot like that you know when ryan villapoto gets hurt jake weimer can't jump on his bike and go earn his points right you know silly things like that but overall it was an all right movie <laughs> well yeah all right we, we could <laughs> yeah I know. I, I've kind of had to see half of it with my daughter and other stuff, so I'm just kind of like, <laughs> it just like reliving some of like the scenes in my head just make me giggle. It's so it's just kind of <laughs> fun. But um, you have a cowboy hat on. Your name's Kenny Bartram, but everybody calls you Cowboy Kenny. And it seemed that that was kind of like your stick, you know, that that kind of stuck stood out for you because of the fact that everybody else that was in the FMX scene was from you know was SoCal. They were. You know, thugs in their dickies with their tattoos and their no hair and their, well, you know, I'd say muscles, but not everybody had them. I know I don't. You don't. That's okay. You're fine being skinny, just like me. 180 of pure awesome. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but so, being from Stillwater, Oklahoma, I would think that that was who you were regardless. You know, you're just a guy wearing your cowboy hat being you. Is that you? Is that, or was it something that you just kind of became and then stuck with it? It It's kind of a... Uh, combination. Um, I grew up riding horses. My dad and my sister showed quarter horses in Appaloosas. So I grew up around horses, but um, when I was probably about 10 or 11, I went more motorcycles, and dad right. and Cindy went with the horses. Um, one of my managers uh, along the way, we were on our way to Portugal to an event, and I had a bunch of nicknames growing up or and in the early days of freestyle, and they just never really stuck, and they weren't marketable or anything. He goes, have you ever worn a cowboy hat? I'm like, well, yeah, I grew up wearing them. Right. <laughs> Like, you ought to try to wear a cowboy hat. And I'm like, to a freestyle event? You're crazy. And we bought one actually at the Dallas airport and wore it to Portugal. It was absolutely the biggest hit ever. They're like, oh, Cowboy Kenny, Cowboy Kenny, in, in their Portuguese accent. <laughs> I was going to say that sounded more Asian, but we'll go with it. I mean, if that's what you think that, that Portuguese sound like, I'm in. <laughs> Whatever they sounded like, it sounded cool to us at the time. <laughs> And, you know, I wore it to a couple of American events, and some of the riders kind of gave me grief at first, like, you know, what the heck are you doing wearing a cowboy hat? After a little bit, they realized that, yeah, that was that was going to be my shtick, and it was very identifiable, and uh, it was catchy, and it just it kind of stuck. And so it does fit, not only because I rode horses being younger, I do have a little bit different attitude than a lot of the SoCal the rock stars or whatnot. I'm not tattooed, pierced, I don't drink and party. And I'm, I think I'm a fairly humble guy that's respectful. You know, I grew up in Oklahoma with good roots. Right. Not to say anything bad about those guys, but a lot of them are, are Southern California. I don't know, just They're dropping bro- f bombs all the time. Yeah. And the bro- I am Brocal. a rock star here, going to do what I want. Whatever you know, it's like some of them don't have a very good attitude. I don't think so. I I, I wouldn't disagree. I mean, uh, but yeah, I call them Brocal, but whatever you know. Uh, yeah, Brocal, exactly. Yeah. I don't fit in that category, you know? That's okay. I think, yeah, no, it, it, you're awesome. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the fact that 
you're not being somebody that you aren't. Like you're not trying to. You're not Cowboy Kenny being not Cowboy. I mean, you're Cowboy Kenny. That you know, you've been that guy your whole life. You just didn't realize that you could do that and ride motorcycles at the same time. I think like. So you probably threw that cowboy hat on, and you had a bunch. It was like automatically the dip came out in your lip. Your wranglers grew out of your legs, and it was just like, bam! Holy shit! I've been this guy my whole life. What happened? So I think it works. I think it's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. You're like boom. Absolutely. I think it's fantastic. So Travis Pastrana, um, how did you guys meet? Uh, Travis, I we. Matt, he came back. There's a big amateur national event in Ponca City every year. Right. And Travis would come back about a week before that and get acclimated to the weather. My uncle being Guy Cooper, he would come and stay at Guy's house for a week and train with him and, and ride with him. So I, I'll never forget, actually, the very, very, very first day I met him. I got I was still in high school or whatever and got out, went out to Guy's. It's like, yeah, yeah, Travis is already down at the track. Gear up and go down and ride with him. So I'm riding like 250 pro class at that time, 252 stroke, which is now the right. 450 class, whatever. Um, and I was a local pro guy. I was never that fast, but I went down there and it was Guy Cooper's track, but it was basically where I practiced. It was my practice track. Yeah. It was everything I could do to keep up with Travis, and he was riding an 80, and it pissed me off so bad. <laughs> like this is a little torp on an 80, and I can't pass him on my own practice track. But after that, we became great friends. You know, I, I stuffed him in a couple corners, and he hit me back, and I was like, "All right, you're cool." You're like, "This is what pubes look like, young man. I am older than you. Respect <laughs> the man with the with the with the with the body hair." Again, that's something more Todd Slavicky. I'm not. I'm not that guy. We, we race dirt bikes, and that's it. I'm I'm glad that we can keep calling out Todd Slavic like this. I mean, it makes me feel good. It makes me realize that I'm not alone in my fears. Um. And that, you know, there's something weird going on there. <laughs> I, I've gotten two or three text messages during this interview, and I'm pretty sure they're all from Todd. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just trying to text you because he's hoping your phone's in your pants. Again, a whole other Todd Slavic kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, he's not really saying anything <laughs> worth anything. He's just trying to see if he can get an arousement out of you in any, in any shape or form. <laughs> um, okay, so Travis Pastrana, I, we've heard that – or. You know, it, it, it seems to be alluded to that if you're going to hang out with Travis Pastrana, you need to be prepared to do crazy-ass shit. And if you're not going to do crazy-ass shit, you know, you may not be able to stay around and hang out all that long. Is that is is there any kind of fair assessment there, or is that just kind of more of a TV personality kind of understanding of, of hanging out with Travis Pastrana? That is absolutely 110% the rule. If you're <laughs> going to be with Travis, you're going to do some crazy, stupid stuff. <laughs> Ugh. So the first craziest, stupidest thing that either he made you do or you guys came up with together, what was that? Okay, I, very, very, very first time I ever went to Travis's house. I had known him for five or six, maybe seven years before that, but it had always been here in Oklahoma. I show up at his house. I've been driving 12, 14 hours, whatever, and I'm beat tired when I get there. I had literally stepped out of the door of my truck and shut the door he handed me a lit Roman candle. I was like, Roman Candle Wars, go! <laughs> I'm like, I've never done Roman Candle Wars. What do I do with this thing? And all of a sudden, it starts shooting, and people are shooting at me, and I'm like, ah! <laughs> so I start pointing it. One goes down my shirt and blows up inside my shirt. I drop the Roman Candle, I'm beating my chest. I'm like, ah, time out, time out. And he runs all the way up to me. He's like, two feet from me, still shooting. Like, what the hell? Is this the initiation or what? <laughs> yeah. 
like I said, when you go to Travis's, you're going to do some stupid stuff. All right. Well, okay. And I, I think I think one of the deals, I don't know if I could ever actually go through with it, but say I'm like, man, I'm hanging out with Travis. I want to do something crazy. Stuff's going to get nuts. How do you how do you do that? How do you get into like, I mean, obviously I know I'm not going to be the guy's best friend or anything, but it's like, you're like, I want to go do some crazy stuff with Travis Pastrana. What's the, what's the key in there? How do you make that happen? Um, and I, I doubt it's through Todd Slavic. <laughs> I don't really know. Uh, there are random people that show up at his house, and sometimes they get to do random cool stuff. Sometimes it's really stupid, and they become friends and <laughs> whatever. But, right. Uh, no, I, I don't know. Just for the random, per- you know, the random person out there. I know there's thousands of kids that are like, yeah, I want to go to Travis's house and and do cool stuff. And he's pretty open with his his place, but. Obviously, you can't invite thousands of kids out there to do stupid stuff. Somebody will get hurt and killed and yeah. lawsuits and all that kind of stuff. Liabilities so, a bitch. I, I don't really have a good answer for that one. Sorry. That's okay. Now, I figure at some point in time in my, in my, uh, in my adult life, hopefully I can come across the guy, high-five him, and give him a good handshake and just be like, thank you for being such a bad inspiration in my life. I really appreciate it. Even though, unfortunately, he's younger I'll tell you what. Next month. April 12th, I think, he's racing the Nationwide Race in Dallas, in your hometown. If you're feeling frisky, you could hop a fence, run across the Nationwide track, run across the Texas Motor Speedway, and high-five him as he's doing the introductions. Shit. I don't don't need to be feeling frisky. Yeah, I don't need to be feeling frisky because if I do that, I'm going to be getting frisked, like going to jail. (laughs) And then... I I meant with your clothes on. Don't worry. The clothes on. Oh, okay. Run across the high five. Well, it's actually interesting that you say that because I was talking to a certain young lady that works at TMS today at Texas Motor Speedway. Don't don't take that for anything else than what it sounds like. Uh, and we may be out there doing some fun stuff. So there's a good chance I'll be out there. So now that I know he's going to be out there racing on Friday night, I may try to figure out a way to uh, to high five and handshake that band without making it too awkward or illegal. <laughs> I think that, uh, those are good. Keep, yeah. Keep it not and keep it legal. That was a bonus. <laughs> Alright, so the way that with, you know, Gravity Games not existing anymore and the way that X Games has changed since you've won your 10 X Game medals, uh, how do you see that kind of the sport of FMX in, I guess, the main media format either continuing to grow, how it's going to change, or, you know, what it's going to conti- how it's going to continue to evolve? Uh... Can I plead the fifth on this one? You're like, no, I'm just kidding. I don't care. No, <laughs> no, no, no. no. Um, it, it's awesome. To see the sport grow so much, it's it's unbelievable to me. To have been a part of something since basically the beginning all the way up and see where it's at now, it's it's a great feeling to know that I, I was a part of that and helped with that. Um, I do think X Games uh, freestyle as a whole has gotten so big. It's so political now that... It's no longer about the riders and about the contest. It's about whose sponsor paid the most money and who knows who to get into what events and, and that sort of stuff. And and that's a bummer. You know, I I would like to see someday there become qualifiers for the different events that are open to the public. There's we come across kids all the time just out traveling and whatnot and watching them ride or seeing pictures. There are kids that are amazing riders that nobody ever knows because they don't get that break right. to get into X Games. X Games is invite only now, and they only invite about eight guys per discipline, and it's extremely hard to get in. Um, 
even for a guy like myself that has a past that has credentials and previous gold medals and whatnot, it's still hard for us to get in to certain disciplines. Um, so, you know, the young kids coming up, they don't, they don't stand a chance. Um, so I would like to see more qualifiers to give the, the younger generation a chance to shine. And then I think it's also cool stuff like the, the Nitro Circus live tour and uh, Nuclear Cowboys and that, where it's more of a choreographed show. I haven't actually seen the Nuclear Cowboys. I've, um, I've heard that there's a lot of dancing girls and it's not necessarily a family sport or family <laughs> show, which is kind of odd for Phil. They normally are very family-oriented. Right. Um, but I think it's cool that it has a choreographed theme to it and it's more of a show rather than just ten guys hucking themselves with the gnarliest trick they can and whoever doesn't get carted off is the winner. You know, I, I think it's cool that they do have a choreographed show. Yeah. Um it's kinda interesting because uh listening to like the Pulp MX show and stuff like that, you know, I think it was Mike Mason maybe that he had on and he was talking about doing the show because uh, he's one of the the uh the Nitro Circus guy not Nitro Circus, uh the Nuclear Cowboys guys. And he's Nuclear like Cowboys. it's it's you know, it's regimented. Like when it's showtime, it's showtime and stuff's serious. And I think that's actually really good because obviously that shit's dangerous. Like when you I think doing the tricks themselves is dangerous when you're the only guy out there on the ramp, but when you've got ten guys out there, it has to be choreographed. It has to feel, you know, some sort form of safety net to kind of make sure people are on track. And so I think that's good to hear that they've kind of uh, that they, they've really. But it is, uh, I think the 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 showgirls aspect of it really has me intrigued now, and I might want to go more to one of their shows. <laughs> yeah, if you're you know single guy from eighteen to twenty five, you're by all means go, but. I wouldn't necessarily take a eight-year-old boy or, you know, your, your kids or whatever. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. But like I said, I haven't actually seen it. I haven't been to one yet. I just keep hearing that there's a lot of dancing girls. Right. Yeah, that's okay. I'm 33 and I'm not single. So, and I still want to go. So, you know, everybody's got their own devices. It happens, you know, you got to figure stuff out. I understand. So you have a souvenir store on your website. Did you know that? Or is that somebody else's doing did somebody put that up there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know about it. Okay. What what are, you, what are you selling? Are you selling yourself? I'm selling myself. Sell my soul to the devil. Hey. <laughs> no. Um, just hats, T-shirts, um, keychains, koozies. My mom's a locksmith, so we got kind of cool, like, uh, 3D keychain. It's a cowboy hat with a light in it. Everybody thinks those are cool. Magnets, stickers, kind of the, you know, basic stuff. But get your cowboy Kenny branded stuff. Boom. So... Why is there no seat time stuff in your store? Um, because you haven't given us any to sell. Boom! Yeah, we got these badass pint glasses. You know, look at that thing. Twenty ounces. <laughs> you can hold sixteen ounces of beer. Four ounces a head. That's what any what any what any uh you know over twenty one year old needs. And if it's you're under twenty one, you need it for Coca Cola and water. We don't mess around here at the show. Or I might you- even. I might even add this beautiful orange rib crib cup from tonight to my souvenir store. I actually drank from this cup. See, watch. I will sign it. It will be worth 10 cents. Boom. I think somebody's going to buy it. It's going to happen. Go to his souvenir store on his website, cowboykinney.com. <laughs> Not that we like to have other sponsors on the show, but I did notice you have a fly racing shirt on. You are a sponsored fly uh racing writer did you know that they're uh, our title sponsor of this show 
I did, and I noticed you have on a fly shirt as well. That's because I'm a fly mother. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm actually I'm really glad that I didn't grab that shirt today. Cause we would have we would have looked awesome. Well, I, but I I don't know that I want to look that much like you. I mean, That's no true. offense. I know. Once I grow out that goatee, we're pretty much like Twinkies. <laughs> I think. Who do you think looks better in the cowboy hat, though, him or me? Well, if you still had that, if you still had that stash, the, the molester stash. Yeah, that was. It would probably be you, but it, right now, yeah, it's that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I know what I'd call it, but I'd see kids running around in the background, and I'm not going to go there, so. <laughs> I don't want to get too many people in trouble. Well, all right, dude. Well, uh, so your souvenir store, obviously there's going to be some seat time stuff up there eventually. You guys should go check out us out. Cowboy uh, site, cowboykinney.com. But another site that you should go check out is ridepg.com. Why? People would ask, would you want to go check out ridepg.com? Because Powersport Graphics, as they are better known as, is one of our fantastic partners and sponsors here at Seat Time. So, People are like, oh my gosh, how do I save money with them? Well, one of the ways that's fantastic that you can save money with them, save up to 40% is with their ready-to-ship option. So you go in there, pick one of the little kits for your bike, which you could do, you know, and you could go, oh, that's fantastic. I want that. I want to I have that on my bike. Pick the ready-to-ship option. It is 40% cheaper because of the fact that you're not putting a bunch of custom work into their artists and all that kinds of stuff. You can also, if you order it before uh, 11 a.m. Eastern time, boom, ships the same day. So you get it the same day, save all those kinds of money. And if you're just like, you know, I want to add a little bit of extra, I want to have some fun with this, you can save 10% by putting in the discount code SEATTIME. So S-E-A-T-T-I-M-E is the discount code. So RidePG.com, great supporters of Seat Time. They've made some fantastic stuff for the Seat Time 300 bike that we have out there. And, uh, you know, for some other people, maybe not. But that's okay. We'll soon to turn them to the dark side eventually go check them out all right cowboy kenny we really appreciate you being on uh i you you're you're fairly close to us uh being that we're you know just in the north of the metroplex here in mckinney you're in stillwater oklahoma um i think we're gonna have to hang out sometime in the near future that's that, that's a possibility yeah i i won't out. we won't bring todd slavic <laughs> fair enough Yep. As, as long as the clothes all stay on and there's dirt bikes involved, I'm good. Let's yep. hang out. Hey, I got a question for you, Kenny. Uh oh. Uh, do you guys? I, I got an answer for you. Do you guys still got the uh, tumbleweed pit bike race up there? No, they they've stopped doing bar races at the tumbleweed. Uh, there are a pit bike race series going on in Stillwater. Um, there's a Lazy J Arena. It's like a horse riding arena indoor, and they do about once a month. They do pit bike races, but definitely not the same as the old bar races. Oh, that that sucks, man. Cause uh, I was gonna say that'd be an awesome thing for uh, Brian to come up and cover for seat time, cause that bar race was always a good time. Yeah, that was that was definitely a lot of fun. You, you get your uh, uh, for those of you that don't know, tumbleweed is a, a country western dance hall here in Stillwater, and before their dance dance floor got replaced, they let us come in and race pit bikes on it, and then we would actually race like a supermoto track outside, down the stairs, in through the dance floor, and back out. But while they were open to normal bar goers or dancers, normal like, patrons, everybody's in there drinking. We're coming to on our bikes, like yeah, you just, <laughs> bunch of people two stepping out on the dance floor, and here comes a pit bike ripping by them, and they're half of them were drunk, half of them weren't. And they're like, "What? Okay, whatever." And they just come back <laughs> it was the funniest thing ever. They were awesome. It's just a regular Saturday night. <laughs> it's tumbleweed in Oklahoma, right? <laughs> All right. Well, we're yeah, gonna have to I figure out right, another Saturday night. Yeah. 
Yeah, nobody's died yet, and so, you know, at least after two people have uh, passed away, I think that's when stuff starts to get weird and we might have to call the cops. Before that, it's just a regular old, you know, then you just turn the bodies into trophies. And people yep, get like, that's right. you know, you, that way you get your cadaver parts when you have to have your ACL replaced. You know, free of charge. So, Cowboy Kenny, besides the fact that we've talked about your website, which is CowboyKenny.com, I, I just love to, to talk about your website because hopefully there'll be some seat time merchandise for sale up there in a souvenir store. Where else can people go and find out about you on either social media networks, all kinds of other uh, stuff, and then, of course, about your, uh, your, your rodeo that you've got going on that you're traveling around with? Um, yeah, our, our other website is SteelRodeoTour.com, S-T-E-E-L, RodeoTour.com. And then Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that is Cowboy Kenny 690. Nice. Believe it or not, Cowboy Kenny was taken, so I had to add the 690, which is my obviously my racing number. Right. So Cowboy Kenny 690 is all the social stuff. So did anybody say, why was Cowboy Kenny 69 taken? <laughs> I never tried that one. Sorry. Hmm. I mean, if, if anybody's going to ask, it's unfortunately going to be me. So I figure I just kind of have to throw it out there. All right. Well, when it comes to social media kind of stuff, Seat Time is all over the place. SeatTime.co is the website where you can find all this stuff. We put all the shows up there. We archive all the interviews that we do. It's a great place as well to find awesome news because this is a pint full of awesome. If you happen to be on Facebook, you can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash SeatTime as well on Twitter, Twitter.com slash SeatTime underscore CO. That's where they change it up a little bit there. And uh, we don't have a lower third for it, but of course, Instagram as well, seat time. Put up pictures of, you know, fun things like motorcycles and what we're drinking on the show, you know, what might have happened at a race this past week. You know, stuff that people want to know about. So you should follow us on all those all those fun little places. So Cowboy Kenny, we really appreciate you being on the show tonight. It was kind of fun. We had two different little interviews, totally different people that covered totally different genres of uh, motorcycle racing. So have you ever raced Michael Lafferty? Uh, I believe I have actually. Oh, who I won? Raced, uh, uh, definitely Mike. Okay. <laughs> where Where do you think you raced him at? Uh, I did a GNCC race in Ocala, Florida, back in the mid '90s. I think he was there. Um, I don't know. I've ridden with him. He's been out to my uncle Guy's house and ridden quite a bit. But I think that's probably the only place I've raced him at. Hmm. Cooperland. One day I'm gonna go out there. Todd Slavic, show me some pictures. But if he's going, I'm not going because I don't want to freak you out. I'm not showing up with Todd Slavic. I don't want it to get weird. It's just not happening. Well, dude. Yeah, he, he's a weird guy. It happens. All right. Well, that's that's the perfect. Yeah, he's a weird guy. <laughs> I love it. Todd Slavic, the cowboy, we love you. Don't let this go the wrong way. Cowboy Kenny, we appreciate your time. Remember, thanks for enjoying a pint full of awesome with us. We're going to see you on the Internet soon, my friend. Thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Bye, dude.